0: Come on, man. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, excited about this series of talks that we are in. If you did not get to be here last week or get to watch online, uh, let me encourage you to take about 45 minutes of your next week and listen to the message that Lindsey Falls brought to us because it was transformational. If you were here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what she did was she started for us this new series that we're in that we're calling The Practices. Now, everybody just take a deep breath. We just all breathe in together. The reason I want to do that is that this can feel at times a little intimidating, like something else that we need to do, but that is not at all our heart. What we're wanting to talk about is a rhythm for how to live the healthy life that God has for you. These spiritual practices, or sometimes they're known as spiritual disciplines, when they're alive in a heart of a believer, they bring transformation into that person. They're a rhythm of life. Now, as Lindsay said so amazingly last week, there's not an exhaustive list in the Word of God that says, like, here are the practices of a believer. This is the list that you need to follow. What we do is we pull from the life of Jesus and the lives of those who are written about in Scripture, and we see these common themes. We can't go to, like, Galatians 5, right? There's this list of the fruits of the Spirit, and you're like, man, does my life think Feel like somebody who is alive in God, you can look at Galatians 5 and go, yes or no, right? There's a list. There's an exhaustive list of like, this is life in the spirit of God that you should be filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? There's not a list like that when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, but it is a demonstration through the life of Jesus, how Jesus lived, how Jesus prioritized his time and what Jesus did throughout his time on the earth are the anchoring truths that we pull these spiritual practices from. Now, Now, I want you to hear this, these these are invitations, they're not a to-do list, okay? These are invitations for us, they're not a to-do list for us, right? These are are not things that we just need to check off throughout our day. They're foundations for us to find a healthy rhythm. Now, if you're a note-taker or if you're a quote-keeper, uh, here's one for you that, that I think you're going to find to be beneficial. The, the practices alive in us leads to transformation in us. The practices alive in us leads to transformation in us. Now, there's this famous definition for insanity, right? That, that doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. How many of you... Have heard that. Yeah, it's, it's very commonly used. And, and I can speak for myself, there are a lot of areas in my life, some spiritual and some physical. Last night, I, d- I don't know if you guys ever do this, but we, we at times as a family kind of push pause on all kind of chaos and screens and media and just enjoy one another. And we were doing that last night and we were looking at old pictures. And my, my kids were like, Dad! You used to be so skinny. <laughs> and, I was, and, and it's like it's like one thing, you know, if they say it like just one time, you know, but it's like they wouldn't let it go. It's like every new photo that came up, they were like, Dad, like, wow, you were so thin. And then one of my other, guys, we were named Nameless, she goes, and Dad, now you're like fat. <laughs> and I was like, dang it, man, you know. But here's the thing, if I want my physical, if I want to change physically, I have to do something different, right? I can't just keep doing what I'm doing, keep eating the brownies that I'm eating and then expect that I'm going to look different. No, like I have to change something in me to change something about me. And, and And the spiritual disciplines, right? Like that's a physical thing. But there are also, like, elements of who I am that I want to change. Like, I want to see my life be more gracious in response specifically to my kids. Like, I I want my go-to response to be of grace and not my go-to response being of frustration. I want to see that change in me. I want to see... I want to see my life change in such a way that I have an unshakable hope. That that the fear of the unknown and the the uncertainty of the world around me has no effect on who I know that God is and and what I know God is going to do. Like, I want to see that develop in me. And if I have a desire for that, if I have a desire for those things to change, then I need to change some things that I'm doing. I can't just keep doing what I'm doing and hoping that all of a sudden I'm gonna be different. And, and, and Lindsay said this, and, and just to, I'm gonna echo her a lot because she really did a beautiful job of painting this picture of the purposes of the practices in our lives. And Lindsay said like, God can and does do things supernaturally and in a moment. And I've seen that in my own life. Things that, 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 that I was addicted to and things that I was hung up on, God touched me in a moment. And in that moment, those things fell off of my life like chains off of my back. Like I have experienced the supernatural breakthrough of God. Like I, I've felt it. I've seen it in other people. I've seen it in people around me where God just touches their life and and in an instant things that were addictions for them become past memories for them that happens and god is in the business of doing that but that is not the only way that god changes us we are also invited into practices that will lead us into being transformed into who he's called us To be, again, the practices alive in us lead to transformation in us. And some of these practices that you see so alive in the life of Jesus that lead to transformation when they are alive in us are like worship and declaration. The practice of worship and declaration. The practice of Bible study and meditation. The practice of service. And being a good steward with what you've been given. The practice of tithing. The practice of fasting and simplicity. The practice of prayer. The practice of daily being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. The practice of walking in fellowship and community with others, And again, this is not like a list of things that we must do. This is an invitation for us into the transformed life that we actually desire. And to quote, quote Robert, Robert Froster from his book on the celebration of discipline, he says that the, the disciplines or the practices are not about the mechanics, but they're about the purpose. Can I say that again? That, that the disciplines are not about the mechanics, they're about the purpose. Meaning our aim is not simply to say that we did these things. Our aim is to be transformed by the daily practice of these things. It's not about the mechanics, it's about the purpose. And in Romans 12:1, Paul urges us towards this as well when he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul was aware and therefore is making us aware that there are practices that are alive in the world around us ways of thinking, ways of addressing difficulty, ways of dealing with. Conflict, ways of dealing with anger and frustration, ways of dealing with desires and temptations. And those practices that we see living in the culture are not how we are to pattern the practices of our lives. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, meaning that we are to experience a dramatic change in the form or the appearance or character Of who we are. That's what transformation means. That that we will experience a dramatic change in the form or the appearance or the character of who we are. And that happens, yes, in those supernatural moments with God. But it also happens in us receiving the invitation into a rhythm of life with God. That leads to transformation happening in us. For me, this this idea of living life with God and not just believing a life, or living a life believing in God. You know, there's a difference. Living a life with God and living a life believing in God can seem parallel, but they couldn't be further apart. And, And for me, they got really close together when I went to college, and looking back on my life, Growing up, I had amazing parents that loved me and loved Jesus. And, and, and in hindsight, I can see how they modeled for me how to live a life with God, not just a life believing in God. But in, in all honesty, because of my own sin and the flesh that is so vibrant and raging with inside of me, I missed the modeling that was in front of me. And when I was in college, I started trying to really take ground in my faith. I had, you know, it happens sometimes when you get out on your own and you're faced with the choice of your life, right? It's oftentimes, you know, called the decision of where your faith becomes your own, where it's not something that you just do with your family, but this is something that's going to shape your life. And this is honestly why we love college students here at Antioch, because that window That like 18 to 24-year-old window is pivotal in building into you healthy habits that lead to the disciplines being a way of life. I'm so thankful for that, that that, that I learned at 18 that there was a difference in just believing in God and walking with God. But again, like, I think it's important that we understand that God will use everything in our lives and I don't share often about me as a kid um, for for one it's just like I, I, I had a really hard childhood and, and I think that the more I live life the more I realize I think we all had hard childhoods <laughs> right like it, there was there was some level of difficulty that we all had to endure overcome walk through and, and for me like it felt like a trifecta I, I struggled in school, like I I was diagnosed in third grade with severe dyslexia, which helped me understand in a practical sense why learning seemed to be easy for everybody else but difficult for me. Uh, but, But what it didn't do was it didn't explain why it felt like no one liked me, right? I was also specifically like in grade school, like the kid that was picked on by, it felt like the entire school. It probably was like three people, but you know how your mind grabs onto those three people and they become everybody. But, but when looking back, like elementary school for me was just like marked with feeling like I was on the outside of everything, right? The last person picked, the first person teased. Like it, it, I, I had moments even with educators that would make fun of me in class, for not being able to spell something or not being able to remember something. And so I don't look back fondly upon grade school at all. But what I did pick up was a pattern of this world through the experiences of my challenge. And what I mean by that is is that I developed an underdog spirit. Now here's the thing, redeemed, submitted to God, that is a beautiful thing. And I attribute so much of of my desire to see God do the impossible and to see God birth a beautiful church in this city that will be a beacon of hope and life, regardless of what we're physically seeing, to believe what God is saying. I attribute that to that redeemed underdog spirit that's within me. But that's living in a life of a rhythm of the kingdom, But when I was growing up, I was not living out of that. I was living out of the pattern of the world and its interpretation of the underdog spirit, which is very simply, if you tell me that I can't, I'm going to take great pleasure in proving to you that I can. More is better, busier is more valuable, and winning is a necessity. And so you develop this kind of, this need... To be right all the time, this need to evoke your will. And, and it's almost like being tougher is equated with strength. You see how, do, do you see how the, the world, the flesh, and the devil get so entangled in our souls? Where you have this beautiful thing that God birthed in me through the struggle, inter- intertwined and tangled up with the patterns of the world and how it interpreted how I should overcome that struggle. And that's what happens in our soul is there's this, intertwine, this, this tangling up, this spaghetti bowl of who we are and who we were. And what's powerful about the, the disciplines, the practices of the spirit is, is that they are helping us untangle what the world, the flesh, and the devil has entwined into the mix of who we are versus who we now are, who we were. And so for most of my life, I did. I grabbed the pattern of the world. Let me prove to you. Let me show you. Let me show you that I can do it. And that is opposite of receiving that God is for me, therefore who can be against me? Do you see how it can become, it's like so close yet so far away. And I think that's why oftentimes we live exhausted. It's because of the entanglement inter- the of our souls. Where we've grabbed patterns of the world and they've gotten laced into the, the patterns of the kingdom in our life. And they reflect one another but they don't operate out of the same place. And so the very thing that causes me to be able to look into a desert and say, I believe that God has an oasis for that place, that I can operate out of that gift of faith with an underdog spirit. And so my motivation will actually be out of my own strength and not out of the gift of faith that God has for me. And this is the invitation for us is to allow our souls to be detangled so that we're no longer like striving in our own strength but living from the transformation of our lives and the things that God has put inside of us. God uses our past. He uses our difficulties and struggles. I mean, one of my favorite passages of Scripture that I I feel like I quote often is that, that God will turn beauty out of ash. That there's no part of your life that will be wasted in the redemptive story of God for your life. But that doesn't mean that, that, that you don't need to have a practice of detangling the pattern of the world from the rhythm of the spirit. And, and that's the invitation. Is that we would have a detangling in our hearts so that we can live and operate out of the patterns of, the, of, of heaven and not the patterns of of the world, and, and for me, one of the biggest areas that I experienced so much personal transformation is in the practice of worship and declaration. This practice of worship and declaration, and that's kind of where I want to camp for the rest of our time, is what does that practice of worship and, de- and declaration look like? Again, let's go back to Romans 12. Let's look at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And look at this. This is your true and proper worship. This practice of worship and declaration is our purpose. This practice is our purpose. We, we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. To God. And and, and this is speaking to our whole being. All of who we are pointing towards maximizing our awareness of the glory of God around us. And and what pleases God is when we offer ourselves to Him. And, And in this surrendering, that's when we'll encounter the power of His presence. So I want us to practice this really quick. I want you just to roll with me. I want you to close your eyes. So everybody, close your eyes. I want you to focus on Jesus. And I want you the best you can just to open your heart to Him. And I want you to take a deep breath. And then I want you to exhale, and when you exhale, I want you to visibly see all that you're carrying, all the weight that you are holding, all the stuff that's eating you alive in your soul and in your life, I want you just to breathe it out. I want you to physically exhale it out and surrender it to God. Give it to him, the one who loves you, the one who carries you, the one who has all of you in control. Just focus your whole being on him. The best you can, focus your whole self from your toes to your nose, just everything, just point it towards Jesus, his kindness towards you, his pleasure towards you, his provision for you. Surrender all of yourself to him. As a living sacrifice, just sit there for a minute. Just just give it to him. Just keep... Breathing in his control and his presence, and breathing out all the things that are too big for you to carry. I want you to feel his pleasure towards you. This is worship. This is worship, amen. Worship doesn't start when the band starts playing on Sunday. Worship doesn't start when the band finally plays the song that you like or know on Sunday. And worship definitely doesn't end when the band stops playing on Sunday. Worship is a rhythm that should be alive in the life of believers, of experiencing and focusing our whole being on his presence. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, right, our Father who art in heaven, and and, and that word is actually heavens, and it, it can be better described as the air that is around us. And Jesus is saying like from the onset of your focus towards the Father in heaven, realize that he is in your lungs. He's on your skin. He's everywhere. And our awareness of him, our awareness of his glory and his power and his provision, it transforms us as we surrender to him. power of singing and and declaration and song and the character of nature of God should be ongoing in the life of a believer. I love corporate worship. I love it so much and I can't wait for nights of revival and I want to encourage you to bring everybody that you know and we're going to have extended time of corporate worship and it's going to be Powerful and God's going to be in the room. And I love those moments. I love the moments that we have together on Sunday where we, we come together corporately and through song declare the nature and character and goodness of God. There's something that God does in those moments that is unique, powerful, and purposeful. But that's a part of worship. That's not the entirety of worship. We are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That all of who we are should reflect and be focused upon his glory and his purposes in our life. And this practice of worship and declaration, this is practice of, of putting God in his rightful place in our lives. That's what's so powerful about that exercise is when we, we, we breathe out all that we're carrying and we breathe in all of who he is It doesn't take our problems away, but it does change the perspective of what we're experiencing. Because when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him, he gets the rightful place in us. And worship and declaration is a perspective-shifting practice. That's what worship and declaration is. It's a perspective-shifting practice. And I think that the book of Psalms has much to teach us and the practice of worship and declaration. And, and this powerful marriage of, of song and word to move our hearts towards God. And, and I want to read a psalm over us, Psalm 42. And as I do, I want you to hear it and I want you to experience it through the lens of a life that is practicing worship and declaration as a perspective-shifting Practice, and this is what it says as the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with my God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while people say to me all day long, where is your God? You're like, wow, man, J.D., what a great scripture to talk about hope and life and the practice. Right? Because this is, this is what's beautiful about worship and declaration is because it's, it, is, it is raw honesty mixed with raw truth. And so the psalmist is laying out, life sucks right now. Everything is hard. Nothing is going right. I'm alone, abandoned. I feel like you left me. But he doesn't stop at his truth. He comes back to his faith. And he says this in verse 4, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the mounts of Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfall, and all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer moral agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, this psalm is a declaration of who God is, regardless of what we feel. This is the power of worship and declaration, this perspective shifting practice working in our lives is that we can wake our souls up when we have grabbed the pattern of the world and difficulty versus the rhythm of worship and declaration in our lives. You can speak to yourself and say, why are you so anxious soul? Why are you so sad, soul? Why are you so fearful, soul? That we can talk to ourselves as the the temptation to grab the pattern of the world, to be fearful and anxious and apathetic. We We can say, soul, don't forget when God was so big to you that you could taste him. Don't forget that he's provided for you, there's, there's a perf- perspective shifting power in the practice of worship and declaration. The psalmist says, God is my rock. God is my provider. God is my strength. Regardless if it feels like I'm losing, I am believing in the God who has already won. The practice of worship and declaration is a, practice that shifts our perspective and it gets our problems in their rightful place in light of God's presence. There's a movie that that finds itself in the rotation in the Griffin house around Christmas time and it's the movie Elf. Anybody else enjoy this incredible film cinematic brilliance right and uh Some of the funniest parts of that movie is where you have this grown man living and trying to operate in an elf-sized world. And you know how they achieve that is through this cinematic practice called force perspective. And what they do is is they, they put things closer to the camera that need to be bigger... ...and things further away from the camera that need to be smaller. And, and this has actually turned into like a super trend on social media. I don't know if you've seen like people holding up the Statue of Liberty in their hand or like, you know, like jumping into a cup of coffee, you know what I'm saying? Or, or holding their friend in their hand. Like that's the power of, of forced perspective operating in our physical world. But I believe that forced perspective has power to operate in our spiritual world as well. Because there is no problem that is bigger than the God of heaven and of earth. There's no situation, no circumstance that is outside of the God who holds the world in his hands. And so if we are in the middle of a problem that feels bigger than who God is, we have a perspective problem. That is creating our fear. And what we need to do. Is change what's closest to the camera. To shift our perspective. Of the size of our challenge. So if my problem is is the closest thing through the lens of my soul. My financial uncertainty. My marriage that feels like it's falling apart. My relational distress distress my 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 singleness my whatever my joblessness whatever you feel like you insert your issue we all have an issue we all have something that tempts us to grab the pattern of the world and dealing with it and seeing it and not the rhythm of the kingdom of worship and declaration to rightly see it we all have one when that gets bigger than who God is to us then that is a cue for us that we need to practice the practice of worship and declaration. That shouldn't evoke fear within us, but it should remind us that we have a forced perspective problem. We don't have a problem that is bigger than the God that we serve. And this is how the practice of worship and declaration will lead to a new mind, a transformed mind. Isn't it amazing how Paul said, like, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what the will of God is? We will rightly be able to see what God has for us and where he's taking us when the forced perspective of our spirit is rightly in line. When God is first and everything else is down the road this idea of doing the impossible living in the impossible walking by faith becomes very simple because what is biggest to us is the power that's available for us and this is the, what this is not something we have to just hope that happens in us we can actually practice these things and see them change within us we can offer our body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god we can say god i want to practice these things listen to the apostle paul writing to the church in corinth about his like unquenchable thirst to see the gospel of jesus spread to the four corners of the earth this is what he says in chapter 9 verse 24 do you not know that the race and excuse me do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize All the millennials in the house, take a deep breath. It's okay. Like, don't overstress about your participation ribbon. But we all run, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training, and they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly, and I don't fight like a man just beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. His invitation for us is is not just to run aimlessly through life, But it's to live a life that is focused and disciplined so that we can receive all that God has for us in this life. Meaning that just like in training in the natural, there are going to be days where I don't feel like practicing. I don't feel like running. I don't feel like lifting. I don't feel like stretching. I don't feel like eating right. There are going to be days in the spirit that I'm not going to feel like grabbing the practices of the spirit of worship and declaration and I'll begin to long for the temptation of the patterns of this world. But that feeling, it doesn't mean that the practices are not working. Ooh, I wish you heard what I just said. That that feeling of I don't want to doesn't disqualify the power or the purpose Of the practices. Because I don't always feel like working out. But it doesn't mean that working out is not going to help me. I don't always feel like eating right. But it doesn't mean that eating right is not going to hurt me. Look, I don't know about you, but going with what I feel rarely, if ever, gets me where I want to go. That's why we have to have a practice, a, a discipline, a rhythm that reflects the kingdom of heaven. It's just like physical training. We, we have to trust what's happening sometimes in the unseen before we begin to see it in the scene. And, and something that we're going to be doing throughout these next few weeks that I really want to encourage you to take advantage of is we're going to be launching a series on our Antioch Austin podcast called Practicing the Practices. And it's going to be a weekly conversation where we're going to talk to people on our team and some people in our church about how the practices of the Spirit, these spiritual disciplines, actually live in and through their lives. Because we want to do everything that we can to take this from being an idea to being a lifestyle. Something that we hope that we want to do, to something that we do daily because the practices alive in us will lead to transformation in us. The second thing that we're going to be doing throughout this series is we're going to have a weekly challenge. Again, this is not like a to-do list. This is an invitation. And, And this weekly challenge is going to be a practical way that we can learn to practice these practices you know that the devil has been trying to distort who God is and what God said since sin entered the earth the temptation of Adam and Eve at the beginning of it all was questioning what God had said to them and then in turn their understanding of God's heart for them and when they believed that lie it jump-started the pattern of the world within them and it disrupted the practice of the spirit that was living in them. And the devil has been using this same tactic to distract us from who God is and to cause us to question his heart for us since Adam and Eve, he hasn't changed his strategy. And I'll be honest with you, like, I don't bat a thousand. when I'll get hit with the lies like, you're a bad dad. And I don't often hear that and go, you know what? That's a lie. I often hear it and go, you know what? That's true. Like, when that, 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 I'll often get a lie like, you'll never amount to anything. And I have to, I'll be honest with you, I don't always fight that with the practice of the Spirit. Sometimes I believe it in the pattern of the And those lies that the devil is throwing at us and and attacking us with have one goal and one goal only, and that is to distract you from who God is to you. And so one of the ways the practice of worship and declaration is so transformative in us is that it begins to uproot the lies that we've believed as we are replacing them with the truth of who God is. We're we're saying, I'm not going to let the world declare to me who I am. I'm going to declare who God says that I am over my life until that voice gets louder than the world's voice. And this is the practice of worship and declaration, living and operating in our lives, is that we begin to declare over us truth versus just sitting into the lies that the devil is declaring over us every day. And there's a tool that's been around for so many years. I don't even know when the book was written, but it was a guy by Neil Anderson. And within this book that he wrote, I th- believe the book is called This Present Darkness, there's a list of of who Jesus says that you are and here's my challenge for us over this next week can we take Sunday to Sunday and say you know what we're going to commit to declaring this list over our lives morning noon and night three times a day when you wake up in the morning when you have lunch and when you go to bed we are going to declare we're going to practice the perspective shifting practice of worship and declaration and we're going to allow that practice to begin to renew our mind and therefore begin to transform us so that we can rightly see who God is to us regardless of what's going on around us. And so for for these next seven days, three times a day, we're going to declare this list, and you can you can get this list. We've got a we've got it available for you on our website antiochatx.com/resources. You can find it there. Okay, you can find the list there. You could probably also just search up Neil Anderson's who I am in Christ list to find it there. But morning, noon, and night, first thing in the morning, last thing before you go to bed, and right in the middle of the day, we're going to declare this list together. I want you to to do this with me. I want you to stand to your feet. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to end our time today by declaring over you who God says that you are. And I want you just to receive this I want you to receive the power of worship and declaration the perspective shifting practice of worship and declaration alive in your life and I want you to begin to feel the transformation that comes from it you are a child of God I want you just to close your eyes just receive this you are Christ's friend you have been justified you are united with the lord and you are on spirit you are in the spirit with him you have been bought with a price and you belong to him you are a member of christ's body you are a saint you have been adopted as christ's child you have direct access to god through the holy spirit you've been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins you are complete In Christ you are free forever from condemnation you are assured that all things will work together for good you cannot be separated from the love of God you cannot be you can be confident excuse me you can be confident in the good work that God has begun in you you have not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of power love and a sound mind. You can find grace and mercy in your time of need. I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. Hear me. You are God's workmanship. You can enter the presence of God with freedom and confidence and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, let's worship and declare His goodness together. It's gonna change you, it's gonna heal you, and it's gonna bring more freedom to you. Come on, let's worship and declare together who God is.